This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, February 11th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. The president has ordered the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Syria over the objections of war buffs in his administration. What challenges stand in the way for an end to U.S. involvement in Syria? And even if all U.S. troops leave the country, does that really mean the end of U.S. involvement? Cato's John Glazer comments. A general or multiple generals have said, look, we were not consulted on this particular decision, but they've known for at least months that this decision was probably coming, and they've known since uh, Donald Trump went out on the campaign trail that this was a possible uh, outcome and that they need to be thinking about it. So it's, it's at least odd for the generals to seem wholly unprepared for an announcement from the commander-in-chief of the U.S. Armed Forces that this removal, withdrawal of U.S. troops from Syria needs to begin soon. Yeah, I think there's probably a useful distinction here between uh, the military leadership and the other prominent national security officials in Trump's administration. You know, of course, there was a lot of hullabaloo about Trump's failure to you know, put this through an interagency process and inform everybody that a withdrawal was coming, et cetera, instead of just announcing it publicly and surprising most of his cabinet. But you're right to say that Trump had long been talking internally at the White House about withdrawing U.S. troops from Syria. Um, the military so far has been abiding by Trump's plan to withdraw. Uh, it's slower than Trump would have liked. What's happened is they've continued to fight ISIS in its final stronghold in the southeast in Syria, and they're planning a withdrawal, and actually it's already begun. The The deadline for withdrawal or the, the month where they think it could be complete is about April. The main pushback is not the unpreparedness of the military to withdraw really, really rapidly. It's rather the more hawkish elements in the Trump White House who want more of an indefinite presence in Syria, not only to, you know, fight terrorism, but also to challenge Iranian influence in the region, refuse to give Russia a win in Syria, uh, protect Israel, project power, U.S. power in the region, et cetera. And so that's been the real, I think, contestation uh, over Trump's Syria withdrawal. The, the military is dutifully following orders albeit slower than Trump would like. You mentioned Russia, and it seems that a, a lot of the uh, pushback from the this withdrawal from both uh, Republicans and you know liberal interventionists, I guess I don't know I don't know what the term is, but is in part seems to be driven by we can't let Russia win, and I don't I just don't understand that. Right. I mean, so the politics on Trump's withdrawal announcements from both Syria and Afghanistan have have made it so, you know, both Democrats and Republicans, at least some on each side, have taken a more hawkish approach. And whatever Trump opposes, uh, we have to be for. And so we should be for a long-term presence in Syria. And yes, they do reference the unwillingness to give Russia a win or Iran a win, uh, but uh, that's terribly silly, and I think it's not based on an accurate, objective assessment of what Russia has gained out of its presence in Syria. I don't think any of the 
global or regional powers that have meddled in Syria have uh, seen that it has redounded as a great benefit to their national interest. It's mostly a sinkhole for resources, uh, opens people up to, to risk of possible clashes with people that they don't want to fight, and uh, it hurts the credibility of the people that are fight, fighting on behalf of Assad or fighting on behalf of the rebellion. You know, it's just a big mess. The real conundrum is why all these powers have decided to um, damage their own interests and undermine their own uh, capabilities by getting mired in this uh, this sinkhole of Syria. It seems like the U.S. military, at least over the last two decades, is not accustomed to doing this kind of project. Withdrawing? <laughs> Withdrawing from a region. Is that, I mean, is, is that just me being cynical or is that uh, a real consideration that the U.S. military is congenitally prepared for these long conflicts and not for ending them? Yeah, it's always been true that extracting yourself from uh, from conflicts in which there is no obvious end, where it's not two armies battling each other, and once one of them gives up, then it's time to go home because you've achieved victory. Uh, you know, many of the post nine eleven interventions in the Middle East have had this kind of ambiguous ending. Uh, never really clear when we've achieved victory. And it's very hard to extricate yourself from that if you're a country like the United States, like most countries, frankly, that puts a lot of emphasis on its standing in the world, its status, its reputation, its credibility. There's a strong belief in the foreign policy establishment here in D.C. that, you know, any withdrawal, um, any acknowledgement that our uh, expenditures and our efforts have exceeded the benefit that could possibly redound to U.S. interests uh, is seen as a retreat, as a kind of abdication of our responsibilities. That's the real obstacle in getting us to withdraw. It's not none of these practical or logistical problems of how to actually withdraw troops from Syria. It's this feeling that we, the policemen of the world, should not retreat from any inch of the globe. And, and it's weird because this is happening either by through planning or through coincidence that ISIS really is in serious trouble in Syria on the verge of being uh, completely obliterated. There are a lot of people who uh, advocate on behalf of war who say, well, just because we've defeated ISIS, that's no reason to leave either. Yeah. So on the one hand, you have people emphasizing the fact that despite the fact that ISIS is down to a single stronghold uh, and U.S. Uh, air power and some group troops on the ground are fighting uh, on that last stronghold with uh, Kurdish fighters. And, you know, so some people suggest that you can never fully eliminate or eradicate a group like ISIS or potential offshoot groups. And therefore, you know, something like a more indefinite presence is necessary. But, you know, Trump's withdrawal, frankly, is, is revealing lots of regional competing interests that are in some ways probably irreconcilable. So Trump obviously wants to pull out. Uh, Turkey is most concerned about the Kurdish troops and militias in northern Syria. They border Turkey with the secessionist Kurds on the other side. Um, and Turkey wants a free hand to try to contain or even attack the Kurds in northeast Syria. 
the Kurds, for, the, for their part, want a safe zone. They want a kind of U.S. air power to protect them in a safe zone. French and British troops might be remain alongside with them. So there's some talk about U.S. private contractors staying in the ground in Syria, which would kind of achieve Trump's objective of withdrawing U.S. ground troops, but maintain an active bombing campaign over the region with U.S. military private contractors uh, on the ground, which is you know, not quite the withdrawal that some people were expecting. The problem with what the Kurds want in terms of a safe zone is Syria doesn't want that, of course. They consider that, that area of their country sovereign territory, and uh, Iran and Russia back them on that. Uh, the second best option for the Kurds would be to come under the Syrian government control. They have a, an okay relationship with the Assad government, uh, and there's actually an old agreement from 1998 where uh, Assad agrees to prevent the Kurds from uh, engaging in cross-border attacks uh, on Turkey, and Turkey agrees not to meddle in northeastern Syria. So there's all these kinds of arrangements that and competing interests that could be better smoothed out if the Trump administration was interested in robust diplomacy in the region to kind of make this withdrawal easier. How does this withdrawal alter the relationship that the U.S. has with, you know, somebody like Erdogan or Israel or Jordan or even, you know, the civil leaders in Iraq? Yeah, I mean, look, the different groups you mentioned all have a different perspective on it. Trump has recently ticked off the Iraqis for having admitted that U.S. presence in Iraq at bases in Iraq is really about containing Iran, uh, an objective they didn't agree to when they allowed U.S. troops back in there. Turkey, of course, would like a U.S. withdrawal, provided it means that they have free reign to handle what they see as a Kurdish threat in northeast Syria. Uh, but of course, the United States doesn't want to do that. I think it, a viable deal is there for Iran, Russia, and Syria to protect the Kurds from Turkey and also prevent them from doing cross-border attacks. I think that's sensible. And that's a deal that we could actually pursue. It's something the Russians have been talking about. But again, the diplomatic attention, particularly from the State Department, on this problem is just not there. It's just kind of absent. Uh, so Trump's inability to understand a carrots and sticks approach, where it's just hard military power or withdraw completely, is uh, part of the, the problem here. It's part of why we're, we're unable to secure a stable, peaceful environment as we withdraw. John Glazer directs foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>